When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. It's episode 59 and we have a data season review for you this week. My name is Mark Carey and joining me is a 30-year-old <laughs> Ryan Bailey. For the first time on the Football Fanalytics podcast, it's a 30-year-old Ryan Bailey. How are you, mate? Have we not said it enough, Mark? Have I we know. Not, have we not quoted it enough? Yes, a 30-year-old Ryan Bailey speaking to a spring chicken uh, about the the game he used to love when he was a youngster. Um <laughs> I'm all good there. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Well, yeah, no, I am fine. I've got plenty to look forward to this weekend. Liverpool versus yes. Real Madrid in the Champions League. But I'm still harboring a little bit of disappointment because Liverpool failed to clinch the title on the final day. Yeah. And I say clinch the title. They never really had it in their grasp. There was never actually a moment across the whole day on the Sunday that Liverpool were ahead of Manchester City. But it still no. had a bit of drama, didn't it? Oh, well, a bit of drama. I mean, it was... Where, where are you watching it for a start? Were you watching it at work? I was watching it at work, yeah. We managed to have Soccer Saturday on. We had uh, yeah. City on one screen, Liverpool on another screen. It, it was all popping off, yeah. Well, I don't know what it was like at work because obviously I imagine that you had to sort of have one eye on what what the outcome was going to be for, you know, for, for, for the stuff you were going to do for work. For yeah. me, sat on the sofa at home, it was the most wonderfully tense, hmm. dramatic, um, stressful, but in quite a good way, uh, period. I can remember in in watching football. But it, the excitement was unbelievable. But there was a moment, you must have thought, being a Liverpool fan, when Villa went 2-0 up, there must have been part of you that just thought, we, this is going to happen, surely. But I think you won all at one that point, weren't you, with Wolves? Yeah, exactly. So, obviously, I backed Liverpool to 
to go ahead at some point. But I kind of also back Manchester City to score at least one goal. And then once they score one, the, you know, the momentum changes. And by the time that Aston Villa scored their second, there was still a lot of time in the game. So if yeah. it would have been in maybe the 75th, 80th minute that Aston Villa scored the second, you'd have thought, you know, maybe there's a chance. But there was still fairly on, early on within this, the second half. So... I mean, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? But congratulations to Manchester City. And what a Premier League season it was, actually. It's the first season, obviously, since the, the crowds have come back, um, obviously, after COVID. And I think it was just, everyone was just happy to be, just have football normal again. Yeah. Um, so I'm really pleased with that. And it was a great season. I mean, also, the obviously, the title race was ridiculously tense and exciting. But at the bottom as well. I mean, did you at work have one eye on what was going on at the other end of the table as well? Yes, we had some um, tablets going on. Like, we had so many screens that we had to put some on iPads Full and gallery. tablets. Yeah, to try and get it, you know, all coverage of it. But yeah, no, that was an exciting one. I, I kind of wanted Leeds to stay up myself. I think yeah. it's good for, you know, a, a big club like Leeds. I know that Burnley are the, the ones who have suffered, but I, I think it was maybe their time to, to go down. And I'm not too disappointed in seeing Norwich, Watford and Burnley be the ones to go down. So... Uh, yeah, I'd be excited to see what Leeds have in store next season because obviously new manager in Jesse Marsh, he had a lot of ideas and a different style of play. So I think that now that they obviously have stayed up, I think it'd be interesting to see how they kick on next season as well. So plenty of drama, yeah, at both ends. I mean, Tottenham, I know that they were pretty much nailed on to, to get top four by the, the final day, but Tottenham being the ones, ones to take uh, the, the Champions League spot as well ahead of Arsenal. 100%. There was just stories top to bottom wasn't there in the middle everywhere the the funny thing for me was that uh, Man United losing 1-0 to Crystal Palace and been the mm. only team as well as Norwich not score a goal on the final day sort of just went under the radar didn't it because of how, how much stuff was going on everywhere else but oh good grief that's, that was tragic wasn't it well, a tragic Manchester season all round correct exactly right yeah just the the perfect way to end it for Manchester United just to sum up their season. But they have conceded exactly the same number of goals that they scored. They had a goal difference of zero. I saw this. Absolutely ludicrous. Has that happened many times before? Maybe a handful of times, basically. I think five times or something. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but um, yes, it has happened before, but probably not to a side like Manchester United. And pretty unlikely, isn't it, at that? So, yeah, <laughs> just not the kind of uh, achievement they'd want at the end of the season. But. Um, an achievement nevertheless you might say true true plenty of talking points on the final day and it concludes our season and it's the first season Ryan that you and I have been a part of the five live football fantasy league which where did where did we end up coming in the end because we started so well I'm trying to think who who would we have been the equivalent of in the Premier League we started Well. well we tapered off a little bit and then we ended up Top half? Certainly top half. I think we we would be the Arsenal of the... So basically for the listeners who haven't heard us mention it before, we were in the Fantasy 606 Head-to-Head League Division 2. And we were, we've been sort of top four all season, um, had some big results, but towards the end, we lost to Glenn Murray, which was a, which was a disappointing defeat um, at a crucial time. And we went from fourth in the last few games. We, f- we actually finished sixth, Mark. We did have a very good result on the last day against Jermaine Beckford, who we beat 89 to 53, uh, but it didn't save our season, I'm afraid. So we are looking, if we're invited back, of course, uh, another season in the Division 2. At one point, I thought we might do it, but there were... You know, it's. I mean, it's a tough old game, isn't it? This fantasy football. I I don't want to draw too much attention to it, Mark. But we obviously 
twice now have done a <laughs> a fantasy football preview episode uh, at the start of the season. And quite frankly, with our individual performances this year, I'm not sure anyone's going to listen to the next one because shall I tell you where we both came in the Football Fanalytics Pod League? Go on. Yeah, please do. But can I just say before you do that I didn't change my team once, an individual one. I put all of my energy and effort <laughs> into our Fanalytics um you know, team for this fancy six oh six. What so do you so, actually have the same team that you started on with day one? Absolutely the same team. Oh my word, I'd be quite interested to see what that was. Um <laughs> so in the Football Fanalytics Pod League, there are it's pretty impressive actually, 198 players which we've had in the league this year, which Love. is pretty good. I think next year we can break two hundred. Um Mark, where do you think you came out of uh, 198 people? To say that you didn't touch your team all season, where would you say you mm. came? I'd say I'm bottom half. I would say... <laughs> You're definitely bottom half. <laughs> I would say, okay, 172. 172, okay. Um, well, give yourself a bit of credit. No, you didn't come 172. You came 153rd out of 198, which, you know, it could be worse. I'm guessing there are some people who haven't touched their teams at all, but must have picked a really bad day one team. So they're the people who are below you. Um, I can't exactly gloat too much, though, because I didn't exactly do much better I came 122 out of 198, which uh, which is pretty pretty poor, isn't it? Because um, I actually do change the team every week. And <laughs> <laughs> so, not really sure what the uh, what the excuse is for that absolutely horrendous score. Um, I actually, in an attempt to salvage something out of the Fanalytics League season, I towards the end because we'd done quite well with our Fanalytics Pod separate team. Mm. I entered into the Fanalytics Pod League to see where we'd actually rank. And we were 51st in our own league with our joint team. So, you know, not horrendous, but shows you quite some level about how good some people's teams have been this year. Um, And I I imagine that we're just building up to the big moment here uh, because we're going to reveal the winner of the Football Fanalytics Pod League, um, the FFPL. So, yes, drum um, roll. Drum roll, please. I actually know that this person is on Twitter, so I'm sure we can actually reach them. And the person who won the Football Fanalytics Pod League is with their team, Kroos Control, as in Tony Kroos. Owen O'Brien won it, Mark, uh, who got oh, a nice. whopping 2,682 points. Wow. Which, for context, because that's key. Uh, you got 1,926. So there's a good, uh, a, a big old deficit in there. So yeah, congratulations to Owen O'Brien. Um, for the second year in a row, I'm going to promise that we're going to send a Football Fanalytics pod mug, um, but we still haven't got around to getting those made yet. So at some point, we'll do a massive delivery and you will receive your trophy at some point. But for now, you just get the uh, the congratulations, which should be worth an awful lot from the Football Fanalytics podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Owen. And yeah, that just shows just how committed some people are to it and how much better they are. Let's have it right. Um, but it's good, as you say, that we nearly had 200 people in the in the league. So let's push mm. for, for 200 next season. And there's no doubt we'll do another preview. Whether, that, you know, whether the listeners want to listen to us on it or not is another story, but no doubt we'll want to record another episode. I mean, let's be honest, there are some season. things you can't just, you can't actually, you know, account for. So, I mean, we put Patrick Bamford in our team the first week of 
yeah. last year because thinking that you know the season he had before, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I I picked Bruno Fernandez um, in my team, thinking oh the highest point scorer ever the year before, and things just don't work out, do they? So we'll continue to live and learn, Mark. But for now, uh, yeah, we'll say goodbye to the fantasy football season. True, and we'll almost say bye to the Premier League season. But first, Ryan, I think we should have true to form for the Football Fanalytic Podcast a data season review. How does that sound to you? Let's do it. Right, Ryan, you don't know what's going to happen for this next bit. Not a clue. What, what has happened is that I have prepared some stats from the season. Uh, I'm going to go through each one in turn, and I've got the top 10 of each. Uh, and I'm going to ask you probably for your prediction before I disclose the answer. Some I, I might see. just give you the answer because it will just make it too hard otherwise. But um, it is using data from the 23 toolbox i don't know if i told you ryan but for the last time this season we are in association with 23 now i've gone through their toolbox um look for some fun stats some of them you know really easy ones i've also just delved into fb ref a little bit for some quirky ones as well um so together uh, i've got a few for you ryan so without further ado shall i get cracking on some stats for you to guess Please do, please do. Okay, number one, goals per ninety. Now we know oh, that okay. we know that Mohamed Salah and Son Hung Min shared the golden boot with twenty three goals. Salah did not look happy about that, did he at all? He did not, but he is ultimately the golden boot winner. He's the joint golden boot winner, but he's the golden boot winner. There's two um, boots. There's two feet. That well, yeah, that's true. Actually, that, that just really dovetails <laughs> really nicely. I like that shared um so what i've done is filter for players who have played at least 900 minutes um, okay. as is often the case so make it a little bit clearer i'm actually including penalties in this goals per 90 just as a clue but who do you think is top goals per 90 ryan not i'm not trying to catch you out here this isn't too outrageous so you say plus 900 minutes yeah yes so 900 minutes played as a minimum and it's it's someone who i bet you're about to say harry kane Oh no, that is interesting. Harry Kane, yeah, it was was not even in the top ten. Interestingly, oh dear. <laughs> um, in terms of goals per ninety, I'll go straight into it because we've got a lot to get through. We've got Mohamed Salah at the top. Oh, I need to not try 90. and think left field here, do I? Like this that's, is what I mean. That's just an obvious answer, isn't it? Yeah, okay. This is what I mean. How many so, did he get? 0.7 goals per 90. Jamie Vardy just behind him, 0.69. He hasn't had as many minutes obviously this season because Vardy. How many has minutes has Jamie injured. Vardy had? 1,954 minutes for Vardy, 2,974 okay. minutes for Salah. So obviously we're talking about it on a pair 90 basis. Um, Here's a question. Do you think this is finally the point we're going to see Jamie Vardy slow down now? Coming into next season, must be the, what, 35 now? Something along those lines? Is, it, is this now going to be the point where the man has a rest? I, I don't know the answer to that. What I would say is they definitely miss him when he's not in the team still yeah. so to be that kind of reliant on him um i'd say you know maybe there's still a good couple of years in him i, I don't know he seems to defy the odds a little bit every time he, he does doesn't he it? does come back so you just think as long as he can stay injury free i mean because he obviously played non-league for so long or played at the lower levels of, of english football he's not his body isn't necessarily quite what you would typically think of someone who is maybe 35 so mm. I don't know but good luck to him if he does carry on um, so yeah he's second Son Ho-Ming is uh, 
0.65 per 90, Ooh. just behind Cristiano Ronaldo, 0.61. Riyad Mahrez, 0.6. Kevin De Bruyne, who's had a fantastic season, his highest goal-scoring season of his career, I think, um, 0.57 as well. Nice. Uh, and Jota, Sterling, Callum Wilson and Sadio Mane make up the rest of the top 10. So there you go. Goals per 90 is done. Now, how different do you think this might be? XG per 90. Who do you think has got the best quality chances on a per 90 basis? Um, again, filtering for those who have played 900 minutes or more. Ooh, okay. I don't know the answer, but I did see a stat earlier that Dwight McNeil had had 52 shots with no uh, no mm. goals, which was quite a fun little fact earlier I saw on, on an article. Uh, not that it's any relevance to the XG, but <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. If I say Harry Kane for everyone, do you think maybe I'll get one right? Um, no, <laughs> that's <laughs> not my answer. That's not my answer. Is it Salah again? Like you know, for, from from the Golden Boot winner, is it Salah? It is Salah. Yeah. And again, we're not talking non-penalty XG. We're just talking XG here. Salah, um, 0.65 XG, top of the pile. Diogo Jota, who's had a fantastic season. Probably, I'd say, a better first half of the season than maybe the second half. Yeah. Um, mainly because he didn't play quite as regularly in the second half. Um, is just behind him. Second, uh, 0.59 uh, XG per 90. Even though he left Arsenal um, midway through the season, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is no third. Um, and, you know, again, we're talking players who have played 900 minutes or more. 0.53 XG per 90. Wow. Um, Riyad Mahrez, 0.52. Eddie Nketiah, 0.51. So he's getting chances worthy of a goal every other game, Eddie yeah, Nketiah. Yeah. Obviously only played just over 900 minutes, but still. Towards the um, end, of, end of the season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, did well um, in a couple of games and, and you know, scored a couple against uh, Chelsea as well, didn't he there? Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, Raheem Sterling, Ivan Toney, uh, 0.43 XG per 90, getting some good quality chances uh, per game. Romelu Lukaku, I mean, the less said about Lukaku this season, yeah. the better. He's not had the, the best time, but when he has played, he's... Uh, He's, he's got some good chances, 0.42. Um, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, again, he gets into good areas, um, but it's just getting him on the pitch this season, which has been yeah. the shame. So flying through them, Ryan, we've got goals per 90, XG per 90. Now, I'm going to go to the team level here. And I think this is an interesting one within the, uh, the 23 toolbox. And this is shot placement ratio. Now, okay. what this is, is the, the ratio between, and this is in um, open play only, the difference between um, a team's expected goals compared with their post-shot expected goals. Ooh, that's good. So almost how much value are they adding from the shots that they are uh, actually taking? So obviously, as we've spoken about before, episode one, Ryan, it was it talked about expected goals and how that is the value of the shot before the shot was taken. And then we're looking at post-shot expected goals, then what is the value after the shot was taken? So how much value in that ratio is being added at the team level. Who do you think has basically finished their chances best? Now, this is a tricky one, so I don't expect you to get this. This is a tricky one. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Tottenham. That That is a good one. I mean, it would make sense with the way that Son's been, been finishing. Yeah. Um, it, they're not quite top, but they are third. So... Working from the, the top five, let's go with. So Manchester City, that ratio again is 1.09. So they're fifth, they're, 
they're fifth. Yeah, and they're going to work up. Um, so they were, so their their xG was eighty one, uh, and their post shot xG was eighty eight point five. So Ooh. you can sort of see that it's you know above in terms of the the quality that they're adding. Chelsea just above them one point one three. Um, Tottenham were one point one four. So we're talking tiny differences in the ratio. Yeah, yeah. Leicester City and Newcastle United a joint first. Oh, I almost 1. said Newcastle United. Yeah, so they're just adding that extra bit of. Well, because I imagine they didn't have many shots shot. in the first half of the season as well. So, yeah, well, it's yeah, it's based on a smaller number. Obviously, their yeah. XG, Newcastle's XG is it's forty um, compared with Manchester City's, which is eighty-one. So there's obviously a difference. Isn't that ridiculous when Double. you put it like that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's that caveat too, I suppose, but um, it shows that Newcastle were adding value to their shots, um, and so we're, we're Leicester. So Very shot nice. placement like ratio, yeah, straight out of the toolbox, which I thought was a good one. Um, Another fairly easy one for you. Obviously, analytics-based expected assists per 90. Who was the most creative? And I think this is including um, players who take set pieces as well. So we're not just looking at open play here. This is creativity um, in all facets. The obvious answer would be Robertson or Alexander-Arnold. But is it an obvious answer? Alexander-Arnold is second on Ooh, the list is it Kevin is it Kevin De Bruyne it's KDB yeah. big KDB uh, Kevin De Bruyne 0.31 expected assists per 90 ahead of Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, Gabriel Martinelli at Arsenal shows up favourably here oh really that's good 0.28 expected assists per 90 um, ahead of Rhys James in fourth um, Kostas Simikas now he's just about made the threshold I was here. just about to say and obviously he does take um, he does take corners for Liverpool when he does play as well. So corners and free kicks. So it all factors in. But Costa Simicas surprisingly is fifth here ahead of Mason Mount, Dejan Kulusevski, who's had a brilliant I time know. since he's since he's come in. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, Do you think Gabriel he'll come Jesus, permanently? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not entirely sure of the the latest on that. It's been a revelation, hasn't it? Absolute revelation. I mean, he's posting some great assist numbers already, and obviously expected assists as well. So there you go. Um, he's just ahead of Gabriel Jesus, Christian Eriksen, who is just a fantastic story of the whole season. Yeah. We all know that. Um, and Michael Elise, who's a player that I really, really like at Crystal Palace. Yeah, um, he's creating chances worthy of an assist once every five games 0.22 expected assists um, fantastic on to the next one this is just a bit of a fun one now normally i've done it per 90 and tried to you know standardize it doing what we should do as proper analytics people ryan which but, i am one of those people exactly but now this is just a bit <laughs> of fun i want you to tell me who has had the most shots and this is just the total tally the most shots from headers oh i like that okay i have absolutely no idea who that would be um <laughs> I'm going to go Tony, Ivan Tony. You would be, you, you're there or thereabouts every time. Yeah. This is great. Story so, my life there, Mark. I mean, you're one away. So <laughs> Ivan Tony has had 22 shots from headers, the same number as Harry that? Kane, who has also had the same number as Diogo Jota. So Jota, Tony, and Kane are. Never think of Jota as good in the air, but he literally is popping up all the time, isn't he? He's scored some great goals from headers this season. Yeah. He's he's really considering his size, as you say, he gets up so so well and his timing is fantastic for yeah. someone who's not quite as, you know, as tall and strong as you might think. Um the player who has twenty three shots from headers is Chris Wood. Oh yeah. 
I bet listeners might does. be screaming at you, Ryan, he to does. get this from. Chris Wood, 23 shots. Um, behind Kane, Jota, and Tony on 22, we've got Thomas Suchek, 20, Joel Matip, 18, Shane Duffy, right up there, obviously coming up for corners, 17, same numbers, Virgil van Dijk and Gabriel, Jay Rodriguez at Burnley, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo, Sadio Mane, all on 16. So, How did I not say fun. Chris Wood there? There you go. Right, I will get um, one of these. I will get one. Okay, so who do you think at the team level now has conceded the most number of penalties? <laughs> Might not get this one. Um, Again, this isn't this isn't going to surprise you probably. Oh, now you said that. It makes it sound like I should get this. Basically, who's the worst team in the Premier League? Oh, <laughs> is, is it Norwich? It's Norwich City. Norwich City have conceded... 13 penalties this season. Poor Norwich, though. Um, Three more than Leicester in 10th and Wolves in 10th as well, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, Who do you think has conceded the fewest penalties this season? Is it Liverpool? It is Liverpool. And I I posted (laughs) this... Because there's a few jibes, isn't there, that people give give to fans about that? Basically, yeah. I posted this on Twitter, actually, and and then I realised, why did I do that? Now Twitter's just going to explode because it's just... (laughs) It's either post, like, very, very pro-Liverpool or against Liverpool. But Liverpool are the only side this season to not concede a single penalty, which I thought was interesting. I don't know how many... I don't know how many times that's actually happened in seasons gone by, but Manchester City have conceded... Not one penalty. Just one. Liverpool have not conceded a single penalty all season, which I thought was It's because Van Dijk's just an absolute god when it comes to just shepherding people off the pitch, isn't it? He basically just, like, sidesteps like a crab and then like a really graceful crab and then uh, and then doesn't put doesn't need to put a tackle in does he so that's probably why I do think it is a really interesting point to be honest and I know that there's been controversy over certain dubious ones maybe even yeah. you know people can say about handballs and stuff but I do think Liverpool have a really clear uh, approach to when they when they the opposition gets close to their area they're just about to shoot sometimes I think we spoke about this before I think they do actually allow the player to shoot and mm. not even try and get a little you know sometimes you get a deflection it can go in yeah. off the, the player I think they almost allow Alisson to have a clear sight on goal so that he can you know they back their goalkeeper to actually save the shot providing there's a clear shot on goal so Liverpool defenders do it really well they don't dive in and if anything they'll block providing they can actually make the, the solid block but anything in between they, they're really smart with their defending they don't make rash decisions which is obviously how penalties can occur so yeah, that was a fun one and not just so I could get some Liverpool propaganda in there I promise yeah um, so that was a bit of fun so that one was um, you know that's freely available but I used that one from from FB Ref and staying with FB Ref one that we've used before um, we've spoken about pressures it was a really good episode that we did that time about a good press mm. and a successful pressure now using this data from FB Ref a successful pressure is essentially the percentage of time that the the team gained possession within five seconds of applying that pressure. So basically, who do you think has the most coordinated and coherent um, approach in their pressures? Well, surely this has got to be uh, one of the top two. Is it Liverpool? <laughs> Liverpool a second. Oh, <laughs> Every time you're just missing out. But we're talking really small numbers here. So 32.3% of the time, Liverpool are successful in their pressures, which is exactly the same number, joint second, as Brighton and Hove Albion, which shows, I think, just wow. how well they are. They, they do press with intensity and they press with success as well, Brighton. Graham Potter's is, obviously doing a brilliant job. Is Brighton. that the first time they've finished top half, did I see somewhere, Brighton, in the Premier League? 
that season. may well be the case. Yeah, is that right? I didn't. See I think that, so. Actually. Which what an unbelievable achievement and what great great team. I mean, expecting big things next season. Would you say, Mark? I'd say so. I also think it'd be interesting to see the future of Graham Potter. I mean, he's so well thought of that. I don't know. It's, I think it's an if and when uh, another job becomes available. I think that yeah. I don't know who which team that would be per se. I don't know who's currently maybe in that kind of bracket. He strikes me as someone who would wait step. until it was the absolute perfect job, though. Before, mm. not that I know the man, obviously, but before you know, not just taking any old big one that comes along. Say if Everton came to call or whatever, the name been slightly bigger than Brighton or whatever. I feel like it'd have to be the right project. Um, mm. before before he moved I'd like to think so anyway but we'll see yeah. I guess won't we yeah. fair enough um, big fan of Potter then are you Ryan the, after Harry maybe your favourite <laughs> other Potter he's my second favourite Potter second favourite yeah. Potter um, yeah I think so I'm trying to think of any more fair enough well while you think the, the top was as we mentioned Manchester City but 32.5% so it's really small numbers Manchester City get the title of the the most successful pressures in terms of that percentage the lowest Norwich City again all of the underlying numbers just point towards Norwich not yeah. being all that successful how close were Manchester United to the bottom of that list Manchester United were 28.8 so they were below mid-table wow um, which again is just indicative of the season that they've had there's no real coordination they don't know whether they're coming or going Bruno no. Fernandes goes on one of his Bilbo Baggins runs and ventures doesn't he he looks like a man who's playing hot potato in the last half of the season doesn't he with the ball like do you know what I mean like when you know we've, we've sort of had that conversation in the past haven't we about uh direct passing and sometimes high risk high reward passing and I remember Bruno Fernandes was one of those players who we cited when we talked about that but it feels like the latter half of the season there's just been an absolute panic in everything that A the team and he's done and it just feels like it, it's like a need to make something happen within the first five seconds of having this ball or or something bad's going to happen and it's just been horrendous hasn't it like there's there's no no fluidity or nothing to, to that team at all no, and they just can't get any... Well, they couldn't get any momentum. I think the harder no. they were trying and maybe Fernando was trying to force it, the the less things were coming off. So, yeah, just completely draw a line under this season and uh, hopefully they'll, be, they'll have a better season under Eric Ten Hag, which I'm sure we can maybe do an episode on because yeah. it'd be good to see how he, how he sets up and how Manchester United do next season. Um, right, Ryan, minutes played. So, again, at the player level now, who do you think... There's only two players who have played every single minute of Premier League football. Now, often there's a certain position... Every single minute. There's a certain position on the pitch which lends itself to playing yeah. more minutes. So that's your clue. That's everyone's clue. Um, so who do you think has played... The two people who have played every single minute of Premier League football this season? I'm trying to think which substitute goalkeepers I can think of and who I've seen play. I mean... Kelleher only played in the Cups, didn't he? So is Allison one of them? Allison is right up there. He's played oh, no. 94.7% of the total minutes. So he's the 13th. Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris, well done. He has played yes. every single minute alongside a player whose team we have just spoken about. Edison. Whose team oh, David we, De Gea. <laughs> whose team we have very recently spoken about, which is David <laughs> De Gea. One. The other one, the other Manchester uh, the Manchester team. Um, yes, Hugo Lloris and David De Gea, the only two players who have played every single minute. Ilan Melier uh, at Leeds United, of course, has played 
98.9% of the minutes. I don't know entirely when he didn't play. Yeah. When did he come off? Um, The only outfield player to, well, sorry, there's no outfield player who has played every single minute, but the player who's played the most minutes for an outfield player is uh, Matty Cash at Aston Villa, which I thought was interesting. Um, Connor Cody just behind him. Then obviously quite a lot of goalkeepers. Temu Puki has played a lot for an outfield player. Um, and yeah, a lot of goalkeepers there. Harry Kane right up there as well, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, only two players to play every single minute, David De Gea and Hugo Lloris. Nice. Next one. Speaking of goalkeepers, Ryan, we're going to go on to uh, sweeper-keeper actions. Love so it. who do you think has made the most, this is per 90 actually, the most defensive actions outside their penalty area on a per 90 basis? Well, that definitely won't be David De Gea because he uh, glues his feet to the line. So, well, um, that is so, true. so that won't be him. Um, it's so weird, isn't it? You're always drawn to the, to the top two, aren't you? But you can see why, because Alisson obviously just sprints out of his goal and claims anything, and because Liverpool plays so high. So I am going to say Alisson, but I wish I had a more fun answer. I mean, this episode, Ryan, is not about fun. It's about <laughs> It's about facts. And we're going to go through every single fact. And you're absolutely... Fact's not fun. That's what I'm about. Um, And you're (laughs) absolutely right, Ryan. 1.75 defensive actions outside of the penalty area per 90 minutes is Alison Becker. Actually, there is a a joint top spot here because that is exactly the same number as Nick Pope at Burnley, which kind of makes sense, but maybe not quite as high. Maybe not quite as high. It's, it, I mean, Burnley, you know, typically do play such a deep line. So I'm interested to see exactly what was sort of going yeah. on there. I never would have um, guessed that, you know. I might have said yeah. Jordan Pickford because Jordan Pickford sort of just like runs out like a madman occasionally, doesn't he, just to meet anything he can. So I was going to go Pickford as the other yeah, one. Yeah, I think I never he has said more that memorable Pope. ones. I think it's mainly because Burnley obviously have to do so much defending that it's mainly sort yeah. of that probably. But um, obviously, yeah, we know so much with Liverpool playing their high line that Alisson is so attuned to the way that they defend. So that was interesting. Uh, Jose Saar um, was third on the list. David Rea, of course, at Brentford. Um, Aaron Ramsdale just below him as well. So, yeah, an interesting one for sweeper-keeper actions. Um, nice. Now, we have entered the final one, Ryan. Um, okay. And I've sort of split it into three parts. So, we've gone, we're going back to the toolbox, uh, and we're going for totals again. And I'm going to ask you, who do you think has fouled, committed a foul the most this season? Across the whole season. So, you know, players who play a lot of minutes obviously come into this. Granite Xhaka. That would make sense, actually. Do you know what? That would make sense. Um, but no. <laughs> he's not on the list. Do you know what? This this is a hard one. I don't think... Sorry, I mean, this is this. a very hard one. Uh, is it a defensive midfielder, number one? No, it's and I don't know whether that sort of plays into it. It's a sort of midfielder. Well, position, yeah. Well, here's the position, and this is your clue. This is the clue for everybody. His, it, maybe that's why it's playing into it, because he's been moved into midfield having right. played a more attacking role last season under another manager. And he's been a man reborn, having played slightly on the oh. left of midfield for a uh, rejuvenated, very, very rich team. Joe Linton. Joe Linton, well done. Foul Linton himself. What? <laughs> Foul Linton is a brilliant shout. 
absolutely brilliant shout so yeah no Joe Linton is a little bit too keen I don't know whether that you know change of role has played into it that he's maybe he's just not buzzing quite... about how his career has been rejuvenated so he's just kicking anything and everyone as a celebration exactly. yeah and eventually one goal will go in if he gets <laughs> yeah. enough times um, but yeah he has fouled committed a foul 65 times um, Conor Gallagher 64 times and he's oh. another player who really sticks a foot in and that's one of yeah, his strengths yeah got a bit of a bite it? Yeah, which is really good. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis on 58 times that he's committed a foul. Scott McTominay, Christian Norgard, John McGinn, Sadio Mane, again, bit of a bite to him. Mikel Antonio, Oriol Romeo, very destructive midfielder. Ivan Toney, Juraj uh, Kuchka, uh, Raul Jimenez on 45 in the top 10. A lot of these, again, are players who are sort of more attacking players who just get it wrong. Yeah, so it sort of goes yeah. into, into that. So... Hand in hand with that, who do you think has had, and we'll fly through this, who do you think has had the most yellow cards? The most yellow cards. Hmm. Now, you mentioned someone before, which we'll. Oh, did I? Xhaka. <laughs> Xhaka is fourth on the list. Xhaka has received 10 yellow cards, which, considering it's a 38 game season and they won't probably play every, every game, you're talking like one in three? One in three ish? Quite a lot still, isn't it? Just quite a lot, yeah, exactly. Just- Bet he's up there on the red card list as well. Uh, Antonio got a red card, didn't he? I remember that. Um, I don't know about the yellow cards. That's just a hard one. Yeah, no, that's a hard one. But if the listeners can have a guess as well, then pause it, have a think, and then press play now. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is uh, James Tarkovsky, 11 yellow oh, really? cards, alongside another joint winner, Tyrone Mings, of, of course, of Aston right. Villa. 11 yellow cards. Then we've got Yves Basuma, Granit Xhaka, Jan Bednarek, Conor Gallagher, Josh Brownhill, actually, as well, and Bruno Fernandes, all on 10 yellow Bruno, cards. I, I mean, that'll just be for moaning half of those, to be fair. Yeah, for dissent, which is frustrating for him and for yeah. his teammates. Um, now, final one. Tough one, actually. There's only two players who have received two red cards this season. Can you tough. name either of them? And it is a hard one. It is a very hard one. I can even give you a clue. I remember Dennis got for. sent. Is it Manuel Dennis? It's not Manuel Dennis. Um, for two one of them is a striker who you wouldn't think of as a dirty player I think twice it was for two yellow cards I don't recall it being a straight red Um, Timo Werner no not quite it was a striker who has gone through a rough time himself last season Um, really serious injury come back to to lead the line not Calvert-Lewin I'm just going to keep getting this wrong (laughs) on it (laughs) <laughs> it is. I was trying to just lead you all the way down. Um, Raul Jimenez with two, oh, red, two cards red cards. Alongside. Oh, I remember one of them actually. Yeah, I remember the one. It was against Leeds, wasn't it? When we were watching it in the, um, me and you were watching it in the pub. Do you remember? And then yeah. he got sent off, and then Leeds did that epic comeback, and we sort of looked up like, oh, what happened there? That's right. That was one of the early Marsh um, games. I think the other one, I could be wrong, was against Manchester City. I feel, but I yeah. might be wrong. Um, so yeah, two red cards for him and Esri Konsa on two red cards as well. Nice. Ne- never would have got that in a million no, years. No, I know. I mean, some of them were very hard, and it was just also an excuse to list them. But there endeth my quiz and my data season review. Ryan, did you have a good time? I had a brilliant time, Mark. Um, well done for putting that together. That was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, I, I'm just trying to digest all that. I mean, we should maybe do we should do some predictions next year on who we think is going to be the top of some of those categories. Yeah. And then at the end of the season, see if we are anywhere close. That might be absolutely ridiculous for things like yellow cards and stuff. 
But um, but yeah, that was no, that was very good. I enjoyed that. That is a good point, actually. Do you know what we should do? And the listeners can let us know whether or not they'd like this. Is we should do a Premier League predictions, just in general, who we think should be, you know, in the top four, or who we think is going yes. to be in the top four, who's going to be relegated, who's going to be. Um, the champions as well maybe not go through who's why have we never done that before we should definitely do that we should definitely do that let's put that in the pipeline let's get that on the list um but yeah i thought it'd be a nice way to to review the season obviously doing what we do best talking about data analytics and of course thank you to 23 for allowing us as ever to use their toolbox so nice bit of fun so domestic football is now over, but we have one game left, Ryan. I mentioned it at the very start of the show, and it is the UEFA Champions League final. I was gonna, I was gonna actually sing the Champions League song then, but I refrained <laughs> from doing it. I That'd was gonna scream for the podcast. I was gonna scream the champions, but I, I don't have the, <laughs> the vocal cords for it. Um, yeah, of course, Liverpool playing Real Madrid in Paris on Saturday. What what's your predictions? What do you think is is going to happen? What do you think we should be looking out for? Where are the key battles for you? Everything and the above go. Well, I think Liverpool will win. I think it will be a turgid forty five minutes. I think it wow. will be. I think Madrid will be a bit insufferable, like they have been the whole Champions League run. Um, I think Liverpool will go ahead. I think. Real Madrid will do what they've done several times this season and make it scary and come back. But I do ultimately think that Liverpool will win. Um, yeah, I do. I think maybe extra time. Interesting. I, I wouldn't yeah. bet against it. I wouldn't. No, bet against I don't it. know why. I just think I think extra time is going to happen. I don't think penalties. Although if Liverpool won their third cup on penalties this year, that'd be pretty impressive. True. I mean, they haven't scored a single goal in the two finals that they've played so far, so. which is not a good omen. Not a good omen, but I, I, I've got to say, I do agree with everything you just said in the above. I think that both teams will score. I think that it won't be as open as people would like a final to be because Real Madrid mm. will probably let Liverpool have quite a bit of the ball, even though they can you know, control things themselves. They've got a strong midfield. I think that the miss for Thiago is going to be massive. Yeah. Um, obviously, we think he's, we suspect that he's definitely out for. That's um, such a blow, that, isn't it? Yeah, Achilles injury, I think that's a massive blow. I think it, another doubt is whether Fabinho will play as well. He hasn't played for the past couple of games. I think it's a hamstring injury, and he's so destructive in the midfield to be able to stop, you know, protect the back four and be able to get things going. So I think if both Fabinho and Thiago are out, you're talking about a midfield potentially of James Milner, Jordan Henderson, and Naby Keita, which Ooh, isn't as strong the same, is it? as no. Thiago, Fabinho, and probably Jordan Henderson. So I think... A lot will depend on the starting lineup and who's fit, but we shall see. I think there'll be a really good battle between Vinicius Junior and Trent Alexander Arnold. I think yes. Luis Diaz starts, and I think that he'll they'll look to try and get him isolated with Danny Carvajal um, if it is Carvajal who plays. So I think there's plenty of battles to look out for, um, but I do think that yeah, both teams will score. I'm going to go Liverpool two one. Nice. I am going to go one all. And I'm changing my mind. I think it's going to go to penalties. Wow. There you go. Who who wins it on penalties? Or is it a lottery from there? Well, it is a lottery from there, but who wins for you? Well, with our friends Neuro 11 on the scene, uh, then I think Liverpool will do it. So let's see, shall we? True. True. Yeah. And for those who haven't already listened to our episode on Neuroball with talking about all the work that Neuro 11 do, then please do check that out. 
And of course, if you want to get in contact with us, even if give us if you want to give us your your predictions, you can get in contact with us, which of course you know how to do it. It's at Fanalytics Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Of course, you can email us fanalytics.pod at gmail.com. I hope that everybody has enjoyed the season. One more game to go. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody, and we'll no doubt see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.